Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to a brand new interview series that I'm so excited that will be popping up intermittently throughout 2021 on the podcast. We're calling it Women Who Lead. We're going to be talking to influential women in leadership, learning all about their story, how God called them into leadership, into ministry, what their day looks like, and the vital contribution they make to the organizations they lead, as well as to the body of Christ. And I can't think of a better guest to launch us into this interview series than my guest today, Sanitha Clayton. She's an executive assistant as well as director of AYC at UPCI Youth Ministries. And Sanitha Clayton fell in love with missions the summer after high school on her first trip to Central America. And so when she was asked by UPCI Youth Ministries to serve in the AYC ministry, she saw this as an opportunity of a lifetime. The chance to serve with youth across North America on the mission field was simply a dream come true. So she graduated from Missouri State University with her Bachelor of Science degree in accounting and plans to finish her master's degree in the future. Along with her love for numbers, she enjoys volunteering, event planning, and all types of travel. She's served on different leadership teams and administration, Bible quizzing, and other areas revolving around youth ministry. And as a young person, her life was impacted by youth ministry and the people involved. So she takes every opportunity to pour back into the youth of today. And today, we are so excited to have her on the podcast as our guest. Hey, Sanitha, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Brother Sean? I'm doing, I'm doing awesome. Well, listen, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. And uh, we're really really excited to have you with us. I guess let's just jump right into it. So uh, many people may be familiar uh, uh, with you. They've seen your face on the UPCI Youth (laughs) Ministries website, and they've seen you on videos talking about missions. But but tell us your tell us your story. How did how did you kind of get to where you are now? Tell us a bit about yourself and 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 whatnot. Well, thanks for the opportunity. I love um, being able to connect and just kind of share stories, just have real authentic conversations. So I'm pumped about this podcast series that you're doing. Um, but just a little bit about myself. Yes, I do work for UPCI Youth Ministries. But before I got here, um, I didn't get in church or I didn't you know, know about God really or get the Holy Ghost until I was 12. Uh, my mom married somebody that was kind of backslidden a little bit, and they started going to church together, and then all of a sudden, we just fell in love with it. So my relationship with God started in my teenagers, which I probably think you know goes towards or credits towards that um, I love youth ministry and just how much of an impact it made on me as a young person, that that's where I feel called and led to really pour into moving forward. Um, after graduating high school, I went to college, got my degree in accounting, and I am currently um, working on my MBA. So I love that. I love educating. I love learning. I love growing. Um, and a part of during all of that season of college and all that, I just kind of got involved in missions. I had a mentor or a leader in the district that said, hey, why don't you go on this mission trip? And 
at the time I was kind of like, okay, you know, what do I got to lose? It sounds like fun because I'm all about adventures. And I went on um, that mission trip, fell in love. And then after that, God kind of just ordered my steps to be involved in missions about every summer after that. So after I graduated high school, I went on a trip about every summer. Some um, some people in global missions, they thought they're like, okay, I think you missed your calling to be a full-time missionary. But maybe not. Maybe the way this is just God, how he ordered my steps. But um, as far as being about uh, during that time, missions was always a part of my ministry and heart, as, as well as young um, youth ministry, young adult ministry. And while I was doing that, I still really dug into the corporate side of life as well. So I worked at a bank, and then after that, I worked for a nonprofit. And then right before I came, moved to St. Louis and started working at UPCI Youth Ministries, I was finance and HR director of a small hospital there back home in uh, Southeast Missouri. So I had been able to kind of use my degree in the corporate world, as well as I'm able to use it now at UPCI Youth Ministries for AYC, you know, being able to plan travel for young people. Um, and then also do the finance side of AYC as well as help with that in UPCI Ministries. That's really cool. So you kind of you kind of touched on a little bit there at the end that you you've moved from kind of the corporate world and uh, corporate administration, working in healthcare, to now you're involved in full-time ministry in an organizational capacity at UPCI Youth Ministries. So what? What is it that you that you do in in ministry right now? So, wh- how, what is your role? What does that kind of entail? What are you responsible for? Absolutely. So, right now, I am uh, my official title is executive assistant at um, UPCI Ministries, but I also am the AYC director. So, it's kind of a dual role. For the AYC director, I am able to kind of cast, help cast vision for the AYC ministry. And really like what it boils down to is just connect young people to missions. So I work with um, missionaries all over the world and help plan trips to educate and engage students in missions. I do a lot of the administrative side of that. Um, I have a great team that helps, so I do not do this alone at all. But um, just working with where the trips go, how to organize them, how to plan them out, the finance side of it, you know, working with the budgets, making sure that they all are solvent and we don't do anything crazy. So that part, as well as um, on the finance side of these ministries, I just help kind of like a financial analyst or I just analyze financial statements to kind of make sure that they're correct and that they're representing fairly, you know, telling the correct story. Um, as far as like, that's what I do at UPCI Youth Ministries on the side as well. I did get my license with the UPCI um, organization awesome. back in 2019. So that's fairly new for me. Yeah. So I um, I felt like my pastor asked me to do that. He kind of like said, hey, think about this and God leading me towards that. So as far as uh, ministry outside of headquarters, I do like to travel around and preachers speak people if there's ever an opportunity. Oh, that's awesome. I just want to circle back, you know, to the AYC aspect of things. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't think many people now I, I have, cause I've sat in meetings where you've made presentations and, and I've, I've been on an AYC <laughs> trip uh, myself. Yeah. Um, Stephanie and I led one and, uh, yes, and Lord, Lord willing, we'll be doing another one um, this, this, this coming summer. And so yes. I guess people don't, I, I, I don't think many people understand the scope of how 
big AYC is. Can you just kind of give um, a snapshot as to like how many trips, how many, how many people, um, you know, what, what you've got to do as far as details as to travel and all those, all those kind of things, just kind of give people a snapshot <laughs> of this. This isn't like, you know, we're, we're doing a, a youth missions trip to the, the town in the next state or the next province. Like yes. this is a, we're coordinating. This is a logistical coordination thing that we're doing across mm-hmm. the whole world. Kind of, kind of walk us through across the, the scope world. of that. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, um, so part AYC is growing and I'm very thankful for that, that God's blessed this ministry. But just to give you kind of a snapshot, let's just take AYC 21, summer of um, 21 that's going to happen here in about six months. There's 18 trips, 18 trips are, they span all over the globe. So some of them are in North America and some of them are global on each continent, except for Antarctica, of course, you know, one day cross our fingers, we'll get there. Lord willing. But um, we just try to really <laughs> immerse students in culture. So what happens is, you know, we have, I would say anywhere from 550 to 750 um, attendees. When I would say attendees, those are young people from the ages of 15 to 35. They're involved. So they sign up, fill out an application, make their payments. And um, all of that admin side of trying to, and then I also work with each missionary in each country. It's not like a blanket thing where each trip looks the same because missions in each country is different. So we try to tailor the trip to make it look whatever missions looks like in that country. So it's very unique. Like you'll never go on the same AYC trip twice, even if it's the same location. We try not to duplicate. So you get a different look at that. Um, Part of the logistic part of um, of all of that is that working with the missionary to, you know, get hotels, get food, restaurants, um, get services scheduled, um, transportation scheduled, even flights going in and out of the country and back. And even now during this present time that we're in, another added piece of that is making sure that you have visas as well as what are the COVID restrictions in that country? Are students going to have to jump through a couple hoops? And so that's a lot of research on our end that we have to go through to make sure that when the students show up at the airport to go on this trip, they don't have to think about anything but diving 100% in to what God has for them and not have to worry about any of the logistical or admin side. So we take on all of that pressure and all of that responsibility and make sure that we develop a cohesive plan and a fluid plan for them to be able to participate in and kind of think through all of the, you know, just kind of foreshadowing, forecasting, whatever you want to call it, just to see what could come up and try to come up with a plan before it does, you know, that's all, that's kind of like the, the brunt of it. And I do go to different districts and present, you know, in meetings and youth conventions and all of that, just promotion and connecting with pastors and youth presidents just to get them connected with AYC and see the benefits of it so they can understand how their students can um, be involved. That's really awesome. One of the things that that I was struck by on the trip that I was a part of was uh, the ability that you have to be able to pivot and respond. Because I know the trip I was uh, Botswana and Zimbabwe that that you know we're going in, we're going yes, uh, we're going into places that you know not all of them are first world situations um, like they are here in North America. And I, I like we were going ready to go on this trip, and then there was a coup. And so like, we, we, like we, we were like, okay, we have to find somewhere else to take the, to take our young people to. 
Uh, and so we had to pivot over and do a large portion of the trip in a neighboring country. And uh, I was just, yeah. I was like, there, that is a logistical undertaking. Because uh, I think we had, mm-hmm. we had like, 20 some or close to 30. It was a very large trip uh, that we had. And yes. uh, I yes. thought this, this is a lot. It's a lot of work and, and you are responsible, you know, ultimately for the safety mm-hmm. of, of every student and, and that goes on. And so I, I, it is, it is a really big, it's really important ministry. And so what do you love the most mm-hmm. about what you do? We kind of walk through the size and the scope of of leading yeah. AYC and the financial, you know, the other parts of financial end of 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 where you add support to UPCI Youth Ministries. What do you love the most about what you do? Yeah, so the ministry side of it, I love connecting young people to light bulb moments. And what I say light bulb moments is what I mean is that a young person's going to go on an AYC trip. They're going to probably go because it seems like it's the cool thing to do. A lot of people have called it like the rite of passage in the ministry. You know, like once you go on a trip, you really kind of get your eyes open. They're just doing it. Maybe some of them to check the box. However, the one thing that I love is that when they go on this trip, they're running from all the distractions. They're like, okay, I am going to have this opportunity to preach, to teach a Bible study, to give a testimony, whatever that scope looks like that God's asked them to do. And they think that they're inadequate. They think they don't have enough skills. They think that they don't have what it takes. But when they're willing to say, you know what, God, this is all I have. I'm asking you to multiply it. I'm asking you to anoint it. And then when he does and they go further than they ever thought, it's just like, oh, moment, like, wow, this is what ministry is like. And I can do this back home. So that's my favorite thing about what I what I do. Though I think it's more of like the reward of what I do, and um, the administrative side of what I do. I love. Um, I do love coming up with those little logistical things. You know, if there's an issue, a problem that comes up, like let's solve it. And I love. I love. You know, maybe analyzing the numbers, the financial statements, kind of researching to weigh in on a big decision. Um, sometimes I don't make them all by myself. You know, like I do have people that are in my corner or that or even my bosses that were to sit there and we'll have a think tank and kind of come up with what that looks like. But I love analyzing numbers to, that help paint a true picture to help make logical decisions too. That's awesome. So that twofold. <laughs> that's really, that's really great. What, what is, what's the most difficult part of, of your role? So we've, we've talked about the reward. We've talked about the win, but, but where is it, what is the hardest part about the responsibilities and, and the leadership that, that you have undertaken? Yeah. I wish I could say it's all sunshine and roses, you know, that would be the perfect thing. But I would say the hardest part is the heaviness that you carry. Um, just figuring out how to carry it properly and how to not allow it to make rash decisions. So for instance, you know, you might have this big decision that's coming up and you can make it and it seems like it's the right one at the time, but the ripple effects that might affect something else you don't know exist. So thinking full circle on everything and then just being able to understand that like, this is heavy, these decisions that are heavy, um, and what you're doing is heavy, but the reward is great. And I think it kind of off balances, but also know that you're not in this alone. Sometimes it's really hard because, you know, like you're going through life and you're like, okay, this is real heavy, this is big, but I have to carry this, but I'm not in this alone. Like literally God said that, you know, give me your burdens, I'll carry them or whatnot. So just being able to talk to him about those things, that's a lot of the relief. But I think the hardest part about my role is just the heaviness that 
whatever decision that you make impacts youth and young adult, adults across our movement. And that's a big responsibility. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that just kind of transitioning a little bit, um, mm-hmm. I want to get a snapshot of kind of your day and, um, and, and just kind of how, what, what do you do day to day? What does a typical day look like for you, uh, in, in your role at, at UPCI youth ministries? Um, how, what is, what is Sunitha besides, you know, being interviewed on this podcast today, what, what does Sunitha do, you know, Monday to Friday, if you're not on a trip, uh, if you're not speaking out, um, uh, to youth or young adults, uh, in, in a weekend or at an event somewhere, uh, what, what yeah. does the nine to five kind of look like? What does the nine to five? Well, I'll say that I'm not a morning person, so, <laughs> you know, I'm going to get here at nine, but I might not function very well until I've had my cup of coffee and it's 10 a.m. <laughs> there we go. Amen so, to that. Yes. So whenever I get into the office, um, you know, I'll get my cup of coffee. I'll set up my laptop, you know, in my office and stuff like that. I'll talk to my team, you know, just see how their day went or their evening, whatever it's the weekend, you know, just kind of seeing how their weekend went, just to have that connection in the morning. I'll go into my office. I'll go through, try to get through my email. Sometimes you don't. Um, and I try to connect with our host ministry or host missionaries at least once a week. Um, either that's by email or a text or something like that, just to see how things are going, especially during times like this where everything's fluid and flexible, that communication is big. So I try to reach out to them um, and chat about items like that. And I also take time to section off my day to really think about the vision of the ministry to make sure I'm not missing something, you know, because a lot of times we can go through the routine of just every day, let's do this, let's do this, let's do this. But I don't ever want to miss an opportunity to see where growth could happen in AYC or maybe where God is kind of dropping some things in my spirit, like, hey, what if you redid this? It would be so much better. So I do try to take some time to like, you know, get excited about a new project or vision casting with that or just, you know, research. What are other um, big mission conglomerates or organizations doing, you know, to see how they're doing it and if any of that could be applicable for AYC. Um, I usually don't do lunch. (laughs) Sometimes I'll eat it at my desk because, you know, you're just in that flow. I don't want to take that break. Some days are good to take a break, but, you know, it's just kind of like hammering out emails, making sure everyone else is on task. And I do love to tag in with my bosses too, just to see if there's anything that they want to say. But my favorite thing, my favorite part about days probably are meetings because I love collaboration. So anytime we want to do a face-to-face meeting, I am all for it. That's really great. One of the, one of the things that we talk about a lot on the podcast is increasing capacity. And in fact, that's kind of the whole kind of vision of the restorationist is, to help leaders increase their capacity and to help them become better, more efficient, sharper. And one of the reasons I was really excited to have you on the podcast was to have you to be able to share what you do to continue to grow. So uh, there may be, there may be people that are listening and um, they, they love administration. They love uh, logistical style leadership. They, they Mm -hmm. like, they identify very much with, with kind of what you do. And, and so how is it that you continue to grow? How is it that you are continually increasing your leadership capacity so that you have more to give, uh, more to share, and you just become a better leader? Right. Absolutely. 
So for me, I think there is a lot of people are asking, okay, like, are you an introvert or an extrovert? And I said, I'm an extrovert. I do really charge with other people, but I also find value in that quiet time as well. So just just to throw that out there, some of my points, they might sound like, oh my gosh, when did she kind of calm down? I promise I do. I really do have some time to <laughs> check out. But one thing for me is I've listened. So I am a firm believer and I feel like I've grown the most when I surround myself with different people and allow the concept of iron sharpening iron to happen. So a lot of times when we go through life, we want to connect and we want to surround ourselves with the same people because we, we they understand us, right? They know what's going on. They know how we think and it's just easier. But to me, it's like, okay, it, it is easier and I can go have fun with those people, but maybe are they making me better? Is their perspective going to be different enough to really challenge my perspective? So I really try to um, connect with people that aren't like me, that um, just have those real deep conversations. And at the end of the conversations and at the end of understanding where their perspective is or what their thoughts are, I might not agree with them, but it does sharpen my, sharpen my stance or sharpen my morals or just help me grow in this area that I might not know that I needed to grow. And at the end of that conversation, I might have learned more than what I have read in a book, in a mediocre book. Now, how I will say leaders are readers, so reading is very, is very important. So you can never discount the the effectiveness of a good book. But I will say that some conversations are better than mediocre books. So for me, I love just hearing other people's stories. Where did they come from? What did they learn? What's the biggest regret? You know, those are some deep conversations. Some people might not want to open up about them. However, if you just sit there and talk and connect, some people love to tell their story and you can learn so much from it. So that's one way or a couple ways that I've decided to continue to grow. And I um, am really, I don't know, thankful for those opportunities that people do allow me to connect with them. Because, you know, our, our walk of life might not be the same, but they're open to it as well. Because they're like, I just want to grow. I just want to learn. So you need to find people like that to put in your circle. And um, another thing is get a mentor. You know, that's how I continue to grow. Just that person you can um, bounce ideas off of and just really kind of like, okay, well, this is not how you're supposed to think about it. Or have you ever thought about it like this? Just challenge your thinking. I love to be challenged. I don't ever feel like it's a threat or something that's going against, um, I don't know, going against like my thought process. I don't think somebody's attacking me. I think they're just trying to make me better. And so I, I really appreciate those people in my life. So that, and then I do listen to a few podcasts, you know, to kind of listen and learn. And then honestly, a lot of times is that I have all of these pieces that help me grow, but then I take it all. And I do take it to God in my, my time in prayer and just say, okay, God, here's the things that I've learned. Help me apply them to my life. How can I make this better for me? Or do you see this working in my favor? Or should I let go of this? You know, just kind of like analyze and filter that out through prayer. That's awesome. I, I love what you said about relationships and about people. Uh, I I like reading. I, like to, I read a lot of books. I, I enjoy it. But one of the things that... You know, when you're reading, especially if it's about leadership or, or growing yourself or or something that's going to help you, you know, tackle a problem, you eventually have to take all of those ideas that somebody 
wrote down and got published and they have to move into the real world. And so sometimes that can be hard. Uh, it can be hard to bridge the context between something you read in this great business leadership book, but you occupy a ministry context or a ministry world or, or, you know, you, you read and, and that's where stories of people, um, I think they have the ability to, to really make that impact because when you build relationships, you kind of get to see how an idea or a principle or a tactic or a strategy kind of takes on flesh and lives in the real world. And I think the cool thing about stories and you never want to say this, like, and I don't mean this to be rude, but you know, the stories come and you're like, wow, I don't think I would have done it that way, but this is the way they did it. And it really kind of, filters out your actions as well you know and you just learn so much through the process of like oh I would have done this differently but then I wouldn't have got this and you kind of get the benefit of their story without having to live through their trial that they went through absolutely absolutely it, you and you kind of get to see how values can be manifested in the world in a in a variety of different contexts and you may not ever face that particular context or that problem but you kind of you you can extract the principle, the underlying kind of decision maker that they you know they made in that moment, uh, and you kind of go, okay, they made that decision because of this or because of that, and uh, as a result, I can pull this principle out, and and I may never have to live through that time or that context or face that particular problem, but there is a truth here that can be extracted that I can apply to the world that I'm living in, and uh, so I, I I'm with you. So one one of the things yeah. one of the things that um we're doing with this series is is this is all about highlighting women in leadership. And I, I think, you know, before when we were when we were talking, I, I said that at least from what I know of Spotify, Apple has gotten intense about privacy, so they don't give me any more information. But Spotify <laughs> absolutely does. And about I'd say forty eight, forty seven, forty eight percent of my Spotify audience are, uh, are mm-hmm. women. And if you take a wow. look at many of our churches, it's greater mm-hmm. than 50%, um, of yeah. women that are a part of, of apostolic churches that are part of United Pentecostal churches. And, um, and so part of this, this series is so many leaders that get talked about or interviewed or discussed are our dudes, our our guys, our men. And so I, I wanted to highlight women that are making a profound difference in uh, in the kingdom and and also so I could do two things and 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 that's where the next two questions are kind of revolve around. Number one, um, yeah. I want you to be able to speak and uh, speak to the guys, speak to, speak to <laughs> leaders that are listening, the other half of, you know, the Spotify okay. audience. And then two, I want you to give advice to, to young women. So let's hit the first question first. So having okay. served and led in a variety of ways in a bunch of different environments where most of the other leaders were men, what is mm-hmm. it that you wish <laughs> that guys understood? Yeah. That's a really good question. And I'm sure there's so many different answers and everybody's perspective is different. Um, But I would say, I wish that they understood 
first of all, I appreciate the opportunity to work with men because those are some of the guys that, you know, do the sharpening of the iron. And I just get to think from a whole different perspective. Um, but I would, I wish that they understood or I wish that they would erase the stereotypes and develop their opinion of women in leadership or women in, you know, executive roles or whatever that is after they've worked with us, kind of like give us that clean or that level playing field to either prove or disprove them, you know, like whatever that looks like. I kind of wish that we just had an equal playing field and that we can be competent, that we can, you know, take on a big project. We can be assertive and that we're not fragile. Now I'm speaking this completely from my perspective. Some other women might have a different viewpoint, but for me, I just want an opportunity to prove it. I'm not asking you to give me like a higher podium stand or anything like that. I'm willing to put in the work and do whatever it takes to earn that position. But um, I want the opportunity and I'm thankful that many male um, leaders in my past have given me the opportunity to grow. So those are probably some of the things that I wish that they understood and that, um, that we, we want to engage in big decisions. We want to engage in um, hard conversations. I welcome hard conversations because I feel like it makes us better. So for me, that would be um, some of the topics that I just wish that men understood or that they would be willing to be open to. So you mentioned stereotypes. What do you think are some of the false stereotypes that that men can have inside their inside their minds about about their fellow leaders uh, who happen to be happen to be women? What do you think some of those stereotypes? If there's, yeah. if we got this is a young audience, so I know, and okay. um, so we've got, I'd say something like eighty percent of our. Again, Spotify is the only people that gives me demographic information, uh, but they're almost almost as big as Apple. So, so I know eighty percent eighty percent of my Spotify audience. I crunched the numbers yesterday are under the age of twenty seven. So there is a whole wow. generation of of young God called uh, male leaders mm-hmm. and uh, that are that are coming into their calling and into their ministry that are developing right now. And I would say you have you have an opportunity, and and I I love how open you've been. I think this is so good. Uh, what are some stereotypes that you think that can exist? You know, especially in conservative movements like the church, that that you mm-hmm. know what? Hey, you know, if guys, if you would pull this stereotype out of your head when you deal with me, um, until you know I I live up to whatever that narrative is but uh yeah. but get that out of your head and so that the playing field can be level what are some of those what are some of those stereotypes That's that's a really good question um there's one stereotype that I probably um butt up against the most is that since I am driven since I do like to succeed or success or you know kind of like grow and take the next step like for me, if you're not moving, that I feel stagnant. Um, some people might take that as a threatening, um, I don't know, a threatening vibe. Let's call it like that. And that I am one of those people that like to stand up on a soapbox and I like to shout like, I need equality, you know, almost. And I don't want to call it a feminist movement. I don't want to call it that, but just kind of where I'm abrasive or that I'm going to step on their back to get somewhere. I can be. In, in the right context and all of that, like I'm submitted to my pastor, I'm submitted 
to the authority that's over me, like in leadership, like if the CEO says something, I'm not going to go behind their back or step on them. I'm not going to be that loud, like rally girl on the street corner. So engaging in conversation with me or bringing me to the table, I promise not to embarrass you or be anything that would belittle you or discount you or discredit or not even give you any respect. I just want to see at the table. So for me, I think the stereotype would be that. Just think of us just as one of your your uh, friends that are sitting right next to you that just have maybe some great ideas that want to contribute to the brainstorming, want to contribute to whatever movement or project that you're working on. And um, once you kind of like erase that stereotype or that um, preconceived notion is that we're going to just take over and, you know, be something too loud. Um, I think we can all work together a little bit better. You know, I'm, I'm absolutely with you on that, that, that if you are if you are you know aggressive and direct and assertive and you're a guy, it's because you're a great leader. Mm-hmm. But there are sometimes a stereotype that if you have those same qualities and you're a woman, then you know somehow mm-hmm. you're you're a pot stirrer. Or and I think that is that is a <laughs> negative. That is a very negative stereotype because God has gifted men and women with a variety of different gifts and personality types. Yeah, and I, I think that absolutely. getting that, getting that, you know, those negative, those negative old stereotypes out of your head, giving everyone a mm-hmm. level playing field. I think that is, mm-hmm. that is all that apostolic women in leadership are looking for. Um, and, yep. uh, and I think if we all would do that, then the body of Christ and the kingdom of God would be so much better for it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so like, like we've said, we've got, we've got, um, a large audience of, of, of leaders who are women, uh, who are young women on this, that listen to this podcast regularly. And so we, we've, we've talked to, we've talked to the guys who said, okay, let's, let's have a level playing field. And, uh, I think the advice and, and, and the challenge you gave was excellent. Now I want you to talk to the the women that listen to the restorationist, specifically the uh, young leaders that that feel called to lead. They they feel called to lead like you are, and they feel called to mm-hmm. whether it's ministry or preaching or whether it's other you know other avenues of of leadership in the kingdom of God. What advice would you give to to young listeners uh, who are women who feel called to lead like you are? leading right now. Absolutely. So I would kind of pay back off of the previous question. You know, I was talking to um, the men that I get to work with that I'm thankful the leaders that are over me, you know, kind of embracing those stereotypes. I would encourage young women not to fall in to those stereotypes um, and don't get in the trap that they have to lead like somebody else did, like a male does. You know, I feel like God created each of us, of course, male and female differently. Um, and I also feel like God created us all uniquely with our own personalities, with our own giftings, with our own skills, just like you said. And he didn't, you know, I, I'll say that I'm not a creative. I have to really, really like t- like tunnel vision, go in on the creative side. And I might not be able to lead a creative, te- a creative team because God didn't give me that skill. But I know that I can lead an administrative team or a finance team, and I'm not going to get upset because I can't do the creative side of it. So for me, I would suggest, you know, encourage young women 
to lead the way God has designed you to lead. And sometimes that might be in a quiet space. That might be in a supportive role for right now until you get the opportunity to walk through the door to be in the front lines of it all. But you can lead quietly, just as effective as you can lead loudly. And so I would really have them search out in prayer and ask God, okay, give me wisdom for one, because the scripture says that if we ask for wisdom, God gives it. And I ask him to give me like a double and quadruple portion every day to navigate all of these, you know, things that you have to deal with each day. But just ask him, ask God to help you. Like, how do you want me to lead? How do you want me to handle this? What does this look like for me? Not the way Sneetha does it, not the way this person does it, not the way Adam Shaw does it. You know, I want to lead like the way you've asked me to. And so I think being able to, to be confident in that as well because it doesn't look like somebody else comparison is an ugly thing a very ugly thing and it can kind of rob you of a lot of leadership opportunities so don't compare yourself to the next leader um and also give grace to a lot of people when you're in leadership people are just trying to make it people are just trying to move forward and you're going to see a lot of people rise and a lot of people fall and you're going to too you know you're going to going to have a lot of things that make you stumble and you're going to hope that somebody gives you grace so as you um, move forward in leadership give grace to everyone extend it out as much as possible because that's what's going to inspire and encourage somebody to take the next step to go up to the next level and really empower them to grow Um, another thing is just serve and show up and follow through a lot of people these days want to be involved. They want the highlight. They want they want to see the highlight reel. You know, our Instagram pages on mine, I say this is um, the highlight reel of God's framework because you don't see the, the rough days. But the rough days are at the end of it is that I just get up again and I keep moving forward even though it might have knocked me down. So I want to encourage young women who want to lead is just keep going. Don't stop. Find every opportunity you can to serve. And whenever you say you're going to, show up. And then whenever you show up, follow through and make sure that it's complete. And you're doing it like you're doing it for God. Like it's perfect. It's perfect. It's to the best of its ability. It's not like I'm just doing this just to get done. But serve with excellence. Because that's what's going to make you shine, outshine others to be able to keep growing and keep moving up. And then once you've proven yourself and once God's trusted you, I feel like, then he'll open up doors for you to walk through to even be in higher leadership positions, positions that you've never thought were possible. But you won't want them because they're positions. You'll want it because you know that you're leading the way God has designed you to.